a podcast. Did your radio show get canceled? Fire, fire, fire. Low down and filthy, but the discipline is on point. Schooled myself, made my own dojo. A cold flow with the whole dose of soul. Maintain composure, even in fury. An anomaly, properties undiscernible to mere peasants. Use weapons that level entire area. Scarier than All right, this week on the Million Dollar Plan, we are just digging into email. Um, I get a lot of email, and you can email me. Uh, lots of ways to do it. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask Pete, that's A-S-K... Pete, <laughs> I was at, oh, where was I? Like a sandwich shop. And they were, they, you order your sandwich. And they're like, can I put a name on the order? And I said, Pete. And I got to the end of the counter and the person wrote my name on my sandwich or the, the wrapper, not the sandwich. That wouldn't be sanitary. And they wrote P-E-E-T. Pete. Anyway. All right. So we're reading uh, email. We're answering email all this week on the Million Dollar Plan. Uh, go to PeteThePlanner.com. What, find stuff about me. That's your responsibility. A professional would be like, hey, this is who... D- All right, first email uh, sent to AskPete at PeteThePlanner.com. So it's from Megan. Uh, subject line overwhelmed. Here's what I also did. I have not read these before. I'm about to read them to myself and to you. So who knows what's about to happen. Overwhelmed. Uh, Pete, I find myself in a tough spot, and I'm not sure what to do in this situation. My husband recently lost his position within the company he works for. They offered him an alternative position that unfortunately has significantly less pay. Previously with his old position, he was making salary plus commission. I work full time as well, but do not make a significant amount either. We have two children, one in daycare and the other attends school full time, but we do, but we do have to pay for after school care for him. We own a home, have student loan debt, one car payment, three credit cards, and we've stopped using them and we're trying to pay off the balances. Uh, we have a very small amount in savings and we both have retirement savings through our work. I feel overwhelmed and not sure what our plan should be. Do we continue to pay off our debt as a priority or do we need to shift priorities? Should we look for new, better paying jobs, part-time jobs? I'm honestly concerned about being able to cover all of our bills, uh, but I don't know how to free up any money appreciating the information you might have. That's from Megan. You know, sometimes when I get emails from people, you can read tone. And this uh, email uh, screams to me, yeah, she's truly overwhelmed. I mean, she's not panicking because she's trying to keep her head. You can sense it. And I will say anecdotally, what I've just read to you is America. And specifically this sentence, we have two children one in daycare, the other attends school full-time. We pay for after-school care. We own a home. We have student loan debt, one car payment, three credit cards. Like that alone, we own a home, have student loan debt, one car, three credit cards. So I'm going to give Megan a solution to this. And, and, and in lieu of emailing her back, I actually am going to email her back, but I'm going to send her this audio. So Megan, as you listen to this first part here, uh, I'm not trivializing your question, but we need to examine what we consider to be normal and healthy. A home, student loan debt, one car payment, three credit cards. That is America. That doesn't make it right. It is so easy to solve our problems with debt. 
and then stop calling the debt a problem. There is only one problem in your financial life that you cannot handle with debt, and that is retirement. And the more times that we handle a problem with debt and then stop calling the debt a problem, the less likely we're going to be able to solve the retirement problem with something other than debt because debt isn't an option. They didn't have enough money to buy a home, they borrowed money. They didn't have enough money for college, they borrowed money. Didn't have enough money to buy a car, they borrowed money. Didn't have enough money, three separate instances to create three separate credit cards, so they borrowed money. And Megan, again, I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to salt your wounds. But if we're doing this on the air, other people got to learn too. I've been thinking about this idea a lot. We're in a retirement crisis and it exists because people don't realize that everyday problems are problems. They view them as inconveniences or a little bit of roadblocks. And they can even easily overcome those problems or roadblocks or inconveniences with debt. When debt solves your problem, you're not solving the problem. One of my good friends, I had this discussion with him this morning. He happens to be one of the most brilliant business people any of us will ever come across. And I was sharing this idea with him. And he said, well, I don't view it that way because I'm a business person and I leverage debt from a business perspective. Okay, well, he's the exception. From a consumer perspective, we don't leverage debt to better our financial lives, generally speaking. And again, that's from a consumer perspective. For the housing, sure. With transportation, eh. I don't know the circumstance of which Megan has three credit cards. I mean, honestly, uh, you just never know. I mean, it could be life. When I say life, like little emergencies, it could be a medical emergency. It could be stupid spending. I don't know what it is. But there's three different credit cards, and I don't even know the balances. So before we dig into Megan's question, I, I just think it's really important to understand. I've just described the average American household. There are a lot of politicians all the time out there talking about who are Americans and who's the middle class and who's what. What Here's the middle class. And by the way, by middle class, I mean even this, the terrible income version of the middle class, up to $250,000 a year of household income. Own a home, have student loans, one car payment, three credit cards. I want to go back to Speedway, Indiana in the 1960s and 1970s to my grandparents. Grandpa done, grandma done. There is no way when they were raising eight children in the 1960s and 70s that they had debt on their home. At the same time, they had debt on student loans. At the same time, debt on car payments and three credit cards. And that's how they were able to raise eight children, send them all to college and have a 31-year retirement before my grandfather passed away in the summer of 2014. So if, if we take that generation and we look at it, we look at our finances through the lens of their sensibility, what we're going to find is that we own a home, have student loan debt, one car payment, three credit cards. That cadence is causing the retirement crisis. Megan, Man, I feel like I'm beating you up. But please understand, I'm sorry. But it's true. Now let's address your problem. Let's get to a solution. For everyone else that's not Megan in her current jam, 
but still is, we own a home, have student loan debt, one car payment, and three credit cards. You can't do that. Because when life happens, when you lose your job, when someone gets sick, you can't bridge the gap because you own a home, have student loan debt, one car payment, and three credit cards. If I'm offering a better way, you, you, you better hope and pray that I'm personally, personally doing something different because I'm the one giving advice. Here, here's mine. We own a home. That's mine. I don't have student loan debt. I don't have a car payment. I don't have credit cards. Why? Because I understand that we have a finite amount of income that has to fund our past, which all of these things, a home, student loan debt, a car payment, three credit cards, that's past. All of your money is flowing to your past. And when you too much money flows to your present, your lifestyle, it creates a past. And nothing's flowing to the future. My money flows to the future because I don't want to create a past. All right, Megan, let's solve this. There's going to be a multi-solution solution, solution <laughs> multi-point solution to your problem. First of all, I'm sorry. I know it feels like I just beat you up a little bit. And I'm very sorry. I mean that. Here's what we got to do. Run immediately to your bank statement. Grab your bank statement the last 30 days of spending. Grab three markers. We're going to classify your spending. I want to know what money is going towards your past, like how much a month is going towards your credit cards, student loans, all those sorts of things. We need to know how much money is going to discretionary spending, your income now, in sort of uh, monthly obligations such as utilities, car insurance, stuff like that. Then we need to know how much is saved. It sounds like you don't have a lot saved. I think you even said that. Very small amount in savings. And I don't know how old you are, Megan, but I can tell you, well, if you've got a, probably in your 20s or 30s, your temptation is to tap into your, your retirement funds and to solve the problem. You can't do that. You, you can do that, but you shouldn't do that because then that damages your future even more. It's, it's tough in these situations for me to give people a pep, pep talk that seems reasonable because it, all I can tell you is what I would do if I were in your shoes. And when I do that, what I have to say is I'm in the shoes of a person that owns a home, has student loan debt, one car payment, and three credit cards. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be there in the first place. But if I were and ends stopped meeting, which they are. I'd get a second job until you figure something else out. If your income drops and your expenses stay the same, you have to bridge the gap by re-increasing your income again. Yes, you should look for better paying jobs. And yes, you know, the, the, break the glass, pull the fire alarm, stop spending money. Debt pay down is a priority, but you, you probably got to take it back to minimum payments until you get back on your feet and stop using the credit card and don't liquidate your retirement plan. That's what you got to do. Is it easy? No, this is when you write the story of your life 30 years from now, Megan, this is going to be the chapter when people go, oh man, but it's the chapter after that that continues the story. When you get a second job, when you cut your expenses, 
When you listen to your grandparents tell stories, they tell stories about when they walked to school uphill both ways, and they've got these amazing stories of perseverance. You don't hear those stories anymore because people try to solve problems with debt and, and not sacrifice. Megan, to solve this problem, we're talking sacrifice. We're talking second jobs. We're talking cutting spending. We're talking sitting down with your, your student who is a full-time student, probably first, second, third grade, and, and with your preschool child. And you're saying, look, we got to make some changes. There's no chilies tonight. No Applebee's. I don't know if this feels helpful or not, but it's just reality. Sometimes I feel like people don't get the answers they need and deserve because we're tiptoeing around reality. The reality is you never should have been in this position. No one should. But we all are. Collectively, we are. We are one home, student loan debt, one car payment, and three credit cards. That's who we are as a people. And when bad stuff happens, this is, this is the result. Megan, if you're still listening, because I'm sending you this clip. You can do it. You can change. I see people do it all the time. I see people change. You can change. Please change. Please, someone get a second job. Yes, I know you'll see the kids less, but someone needs to do it. You, your husband, I don't care. Sell some stuff. Fight, scrap, look for another job. Because this is the next chapter. If you want to email me, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm Pete the Planner. Stop what you're doing and hit Pete up on Twitter at Pete the Planner. Question the right of any man. The voice his opinion as strongly as any can. But then again, many men are citizens of their own little world, so they ain't really fitting in. I'm in the background blending in. Camouflage by the scenery, but I'm a champion. Revamp the camp again. Put down the stamp again. Talk to my fans again. Back with question and answers rounds of the million dollar plan this week. I'm Pete the Planner. You can email me, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. I'm I'm in the mood for real answers this week. Uh, so here is an email from a guy named Eric. Hey, Pete, advice needed. Huh, good news. That's the subject line, by the way. Hi, Pete, advice needed. There's no punctuation. <laughs> Here's the message. Uh, what is your take on being an Uber driver? I have a reliable car and work with the public on a daily basis, so people don't bother me. I just want an unbiased opinion, exclamation point. My wife's a high school English teacher, and she says you only get three exclamation points in your life. Use them correctly. Well, Eric, you just wasted one. All right, Eric, here's my advice. I, of course, have been an Uber driver. I did this specifically, honestly. Oh, man, this worked out perfectly. It just occurred to me. And if you're just joining us on the show this week, The Million Dollar Plan, I'm reading you my email inbox. Uh, I'm reading these emails for the first time because I didn't have time to answer them this week. So I'm just reading them as I... So I didn't read these before. I just read it to you now. Eric, I drove Uber specifically so I could answer this question. Specifically. Like I drove Uber so that when someone emailed me and said, hey, I'm considering about... I'm considering getting a second job. I'm thinking about it. What do you think, Pete? Is this a reasonable thing to do? I drove Uber so I could answer this question. 
do it. I mean, come on, man. Sign up. It took me 10 to 15 minutes to sign up, and, and seven minutes of that was me looking for my driver's license. Ted had taken my wallet. Eric, just sign up. Go. You know, first of all, you said that people don't bother you. Well, that puts you in the minority. You're going to make a great Uber driver. I, I will say, generally speaking, the Uber drivers that I've had all over the country generally like people. There's a couple people that don't, but generally they like people. Utilize the skills and the tolerance you have of liking people and make some money. Here's what I know. On a weekend day or a weekend, you could probably earn another $200 a weekend driving Uber, depending on where you live. <laughs> I should have hit the cough button. I didn't. <coughs> Again. 200 bucks a weekend. And depending on what sort of money you need, that's 800 bones, dude. Like, I don't know why you're inquiring about this, Eric. I don't know if you need money because you're in debt or if you're trying to save money or you're just trying to be awesome or meet people or put miles on your rig. I don't know why. But 800 bucks by just driving four weekend, uh, one weekend day per month, per week, four weekend days a month is what I'm trying to say. 800 bucks. Yes, I realize that you're going to have more fuel costs. Yes, you may need to make some adjustments to your auto insurance policy. But give it a shot. I'm never going to tell someone to, to not hustle. You email me and ask me if you should do this or that because you got a side hustle going. You're going to hear do it every time. All right. So, Eric, that's that email. Craig. Greg. Oh, it's Greg with a G. This is bothersome. You just got an email from a guy named Greg with a O. Oh, all Gregs are with a G. But it's a G. Anyway, here we go. G-R-A-I-G is how he spells it, which is just wrong. It should be G-R-E-G. His parents were wrong. Subject line, CC Debt Consolidation. I assume that's not a picture for the Yankees. CC Debt Consolidation? I think that means credit card. Here's the message. Are there good, and he put good in, ex, uh, in uh, parentheses, <laughs> are there good options for credit card consolidations such as 0% loans or 0% credit cards? If so, what are they? I'm looking to put five credit card balances and two loan balances into one consolidation loan. The credit card balances are about 30000 bucks, and the two loans are about 10000 I also have a separate home equity loan out with $25,000 draw period of 12 years with about 19000 currently drawn on it. So I'm Greg, spelled wrong. So Greg, here's what I think. Um, good, you put good in parentheses for a reason, right? Because what you know is that there are no really good options that way. Now you can see the advertised, consolidate your debt and say, pay on cents on the dollar. <sighs> debt consolidation is good for some people because it organizes them. Greg spelled wrong. I don't know if you are organized or not. I don't know the circumstances around $30,000 in credit card balances, $10,000 in unsecured loans, and $19,000 on your mortgage. I need more information to properly answer this question. I do think if for some reason you can transfer some of the $30,000 balance to 0% credit cards, 
technically it would help, but you're only going to get six, maybe 12 months at that introductory rate before they crank up on another rate. And besides, to transfer those balance, those balances of the 30,000, your current credit cards may not allow that. Or they, well, frankly, I said that wrong. They may allow it, but they may charge you a 2 to 3% exit fee, thus making more or less that 0% rate on the other card, 2 to 3%. It sounds like you're trying to juggle the debt, and I'm not hating on you for that, but it just sounds like you're trying to juggle the debt. There's there's different types of sort of loan relief. There's loan consolidation. There is settlement where you ask the people to take less. And then there's paying it off. Now, if you've got like 29.99% interest rate on your $30,000 in debt, that stinks. And I'm never going to be the person that... that uh, encourages people in general to file bankruptcy. But on some level, you you do have to consider what your income is versus some of what these debts are. The only thing I know about you is that you have enough of a financial profile that someone let you borrow $40,000 in unsecured debt and $19,000 on home equity. So it seems like you do have enough money to rub a couple nickels together. And I don't, again, I'm not saying that to mock. I'm saying that it's unlikely, unless your income has shifted significantly, that you can't handle getting out of this debt. I always rec recommend the momentum method of getting out of debt, where you pay off lowest balances first. Greg, spelled wrong, you have five credit cards of $30,000 balance. I, I mean, we could say they're all 6000 bucks. We could say a couple of them are 1000 The other ones are like eighteen. whatever. Order all of these debts from smallest to largest, pay minimum payments on all of your debts, accept the smallest balance and attack that. I mean, if you do credit card consolidation or debt consolidation or debt forgiveness, it's not going to be done much differently than that. And if you do consolidation too, by the way, debt relief, oftentimes you're paying fees that make it harder to get out of debt. I don't know your situation, man. I, I mean, I don't know if there was a, a life event that caused this. This is a one-time deal or... Maybe you've got behavior issues that are causing this and that are going to continue to cause major issues. I don't know. That's what we're trying to figure out, right? So I don't know. I don't like debt consolidation. I just don't. I like just ordering your debt from smallest balance to largest balance, pay minimum payments on everything and hammer away as hard as you can at that smallest balance debt by paying as much extra as you reasonably can. And it goes without saying, put your credit cards in a drawer, take a knife to them. Be safe though. Use safety scissors. And then talk to your parents about maybe changing your name to the right spelling of Greg. I'm just kidding. My parents named me Peter, so I don't have much room to talk. All right, Greg, thanks for emailing me. Ask Pete at uh, PeteThePlanner.com. So uh, coming back after the break, this whole episode, we are doing questions from my readers or listeners or whatever people are. I'm Pete the Planner. <laughs> Mr. Kinetic, Rusty Redenbacher, ATFU, Naptown, yeah. Yeah, y'all ain't hip yet. Cash. 
cashing in like the end of the game at the casino. I lean so the glare of the rearview don't hit me. Swiftly through the avenues and boulevards. Old soul playing on my speakers. Old soul but young and age of boss player. Not from the Himalayas, but my fam gave me Gary Indiana game. Grew up around the country, but the mindset was there. Ain't I won't complain about a damn thing on this beat. It's uh, answering uh, reader and listener emails week here on the Million Dollar Plan. I do this from time to time. I know what you're thinking. How do you decide when to do it? It's when I can't think of another idea for the show. <laughs> Isn't honesty the best policy? All right. So email me, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com, and uh, maybe sometime when I have nothing to say, I'll read your emails on the air. This one's from Andrew. Oh, here's how it works, by the way. I don't assume that everyone who emails me then listens to my show all the time. So then what I do is just grab the audio and I just email you the audio. It's kind of passive aggressive. Someone asks you questions, you record it, and then you send it back to them. It's very weird. Okay, anyway. Uh, This one's from Andrew. Subject line, planning for the future. Message, Pete the Planner, colon. He put a colon. He did like a punctuation mark. I'm a recent graduate from law school. Oh, I don't even want to answer this. I'm just kidding. I'm having to deal with the chosen burden of pain of my student loans. Oh, he didn't do well in his writing course. (laughs) Paying off my student loans and trying to build myself up for the future. I went to an in-state public school and borrowed as little as financially possible. My loan amount is $105,000. $105,000. He's hoping to make around 70 grand a year. To add to that, my fiance and I are getting married next May. Due to her family circumstances, her family is not contributing much, if anything, towards those wedding expenses. Background information about my fiance, she has zero loans or debts and makes $75,000 a year. She's already begun saving for retirement in the form of a Roth IRA, 401k, and savings accounts. She's a keeper, Andrew. Our plan is and has been that when I start working to pull all of my take-home pay towards my loans and to live only on my future wife's salary. My question to you is this. Should I try and save money while simultaneously paying off my loans or should I put all of my salary towards my loans? Taking into consideration the goal of becoming a millionaire before retirement, I feel like I need to start saving now, especially since I'm not already through uh, since I'm already three years behind on saving because of law school. This is an issue I've been struggling with a lot and I'm hoping you can help me out. Thanks, big fan. Sincerely, Andrew. It always helps when you say you're a big fan. <laughs> All right, Andrew. Classic question. I like your strategy. So when you take your entire income and you take it out of your the money supply, which I, I say a lot of times. I say, when I, when I say take money out of your supply, it means so you can't spend it in your lifestyle. So what are the two things, since you don't spend your money, what are the two things you can do with it? You can pay off debt or you can prepare, prepare for the future. Technically, from a net worth perspective, they're the same thing. Okay, when you pay off a debt or you save money in the moment, your net worth is increased by the same amount. Now, here's where it gets a little tricky. Due to math, compounding interest, and how time and money work together, you need to get as much money into your investments as humanly possible right now in order to give your money time to grow and be the most efficient it can be. 
Now, I have no idea what the interest rates on your loans are, but I would say you clearly want to pay more than your minimum payments on your student loans, but you need to put a pretty healthy amount into your 401k or whatever vehicle you're going to use, Roth IRA or whatever. I think it's super smart to try to live on her $75,000 a year income. And I think it's super smart for you to take your entire projected $70,000 income and dump penny after penny after penny, dollar after dollar after dollar towards your past and your future and try to ignore your present as much as possible. I will say this, and this is not tax advice, although guess what? It's going to sound like tax advice. If you use your 401k appropriately, you can lessen your tax burden um, off that 70000 thus creating more efficiencies. So consult a tax advisor there. You know, I get these uh, emails a lot where people have significant student loan debt and they don't have the income to pay it off. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I think we had a physician who was about to make the big doctor money, 200000 a year. He's making 50 something now. He had $300,000 in student loan debt. Well, Andrew here has got $105,000 in student loan debt and a, a reasonable $70,000 income to try to offset that. At, let's say, three years of aggressively paying down loans with that income and equally saving and slash investing money off for the future, he can uh, vanquish all of that debt. And what'll be interesting is what happens the year after that's done, because he will continue to invest for the future and free up his income to the tune of $30,000 a year uh, from a spending standpoint. He, He has just discretionary income to do what he wants with now. So that's the issue. That's the way I view it, at least. So Andrew, by all means, split it. Do not ignore your future. It is a big, big, big mistake. All right. So here we go. Next question. I'm doing this on the fly, so I apologize. Just going through my email. Um, How's this one? Okay. From Barbara. Subject line, pension lump sum. Is there a rule of thumb to use to determine if I should take my pension versus a lump sum versus a monthly amount? One place I read that you should use 6% as a cutoff point to accept a lump sum versus a monthly amount. What guidelines do you suggest? It's a complex question. It's a really good one, Barbara. Um, I view it this way. When you say no to a lump sum, then and by accepting the monthly payout, what you are saying is you don't believe you can take that lump sum and generate an income stream off of it in as in a secure as way of way. I can't even talk. This is not good, Barbara. We need to make sure that if you say no to a lump sum, that you're doing it because the monthly income that you're getting instead of the lump sum is a greater amount of income than you could safely generate yourself. Some people use 6% as that point. For instance, let's say you were offered $500,000 as a lump sum. And the monthly, or pardon me, annual amount that would come in would be $30,000. That's 6%. So 6% times $500,000 is $30,000 a year of income. Based on this rule of thumb that Barbara has heard of, that would suggest that she would take the monthly income because to consistently generate a 6% distribution stream off of a lump sum of money when you're doing it yourself, you can probably safely only take 3 to 4% off. So let me just say this another way. 
Barbara, if you had a $500,000 lump sum offered to you and you were to get to create your own income stream off of it safely, most investment advisors would only have you take somewhere between three to 4% off of it. Therefore, 500,000 would uh, create uh, 15 to $20,000 a year of income if you took the lump sum, or if you said, no, thanks, keep the lump sum, I'll take the monthly income, you would have gotten 30 because of that 6% in this hypothetical. So yeah, 6% is a reasonable way, but just know when you have a lump sum of money, whether it's a 401k or pension or whatever, taking any more than 3 or 4% in any given year in retirement is uh, a mistake. Some financial experts say you shouldn't take any more than 1.8% due to our artificially low interest rates right now. 3% is pretty safe. 4% used to be the rule of thumb, but then it got a little wonky, a little scary. So the answer to your question is, if the monthly payout is offering you essentially the, the equivalent of 6% payout off of the lump sum, take the monthly payout. And that's my opinion. Consult a tax advisor, consult a financial advisor. Don't ever listen to my advice. <laughs> that's not what I mean. Anyway, if you want to email me, do it. Ask Pete at uh, PeteThePlanner.com. Sometimes I will answer them via my voice. All right, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and maybe a news story or something. I'm Pete the Planner. Every day living through the peace of my soul, I remain whole even in the middle of the pain. Even though my life has the rain, I still remain sane, writing and creating for my life. And my pen is my sword given by the Lord, and I use it to fight the tides of restriction. Sometimes I'm conflicted by myself looking at the trees too much and can't see the forest. Enemies shall inherit the earth, and I want to inherit something, something other than the high blood pressure and diabetes. So work is what I got to do. Stay true to my enemy and water the trees that I sing from and look out for the lumberjacks. Running with the gale force wind at my back. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. Swift and enduring, I remain calm. This week's biggest waste of money of the week, the Boam here on the Million Dollar Plan, is the Kill Spencer baseball glove. This year's baseball season is almost at a close. But no matter, you wouldn't want a law. Oh, wait, I should read that correctly. You wouldn't want to log too many innings with an object as unique as the Kill Spencer baseball glove. True to the brand style, it's made from black full grain leather with black bull hide accents and black sheepskin interior lining. If you'd like to add a personal touch, you can get a custom monogram up to eight characters. Hand stitched onto the thumb panel in contrasting white. The Kill Spencer baseball glove will cost you $1,350. And if you're going to have it monogrammed and you're going to pay $1,300 for a baseball mitt, just have it monogrammed with the word stupid. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. I don't remember if I talked about it last week or not. I think I did. Uh, elections right around the corner, everybody. Do not panic, no matter what the market does. The market has never not recovered. Has never not recovered. It will recover. Even if the market just gets destroyed on November 9th, stick it out. Don't sell. You're locking in your losses. Relax. 
Consult your financial advisor. And if your financial advisor calls you and tries to get you to sell, fire them on the phone in that moment. Makes no sense. When you hear commercials that say, the market turmoils at an unprecedented... Turn it off. It's fine. It'll be fine. Don't let fear drive your investing decisions. It doesn't make sense. Fear will lock in losses. I have no horse in this race, y'all. I, I, I'm not an investment advisor anymore. I have no horse in this race. For you to stay in the market does not benefit me. For you to get out of the market, I don't care either. I'm just telling you, you will miss the gains when you try to avoid the losses. You just will. Okay, so relax. That's it for this week's show. Oh, man, it's been a long week. I hope you're good. You have a good week next week. I hope you have a good one. I got a lot of good stuff for you. We're going to make it through this election. We are. It'll be fine. The 45th president of the United States is not going to bring down the Republic. You might think that, and let's hope that you're wrong. <laughs> you can email me, ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com, and maybe I'll, I'll answer your question on air when I have nothing to talk about. All right, sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the Million Dollar Plan. If you want to be on this podcast and have Pete fix your money like then hit us up at PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. You heard me. PeteThePlanner.com slash podcast. Log on. This is for information purposes only. It's not the Swiss financial planning device. Consult a financial divisor. Release from Everest, the fresh is fresh, and you can call me E.T. Word to John Tesh. Let me bless this harmonic presentation. It's amazing, so amazing. I'm the reason. Uh, salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, Salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it? The tinkling of the keys is an homage to the little, little star. I sojourn over poetic descriptions of sound and travel to my other world. Out of this world, spaceship on my arm took me home, filled by the ink and the megabytes and the hypertext transfer protocol stronger than the Skynet and the Terminator. I push faders into warp speed, glide with ease, creating a breeze they call a black hole, event horizon, no rear view concerns. This I adjourn, adjourn. it beats I burn, this I adjourn, it beats I burn. Salutations, I bring you love, trying greetings from a faraway land. I am the soul controller. Put the remote down and let me take control. You're now a part of my zone, so enjoy yourself. Love, trying can restore your health. I bring you greetings. Uh, salutations, how you doing? And is that how y'all say it?